Well, a very good morning uh, to you all. If we haven't, again, met myself, my name is uh, Richard, and or Rich Hall, and I'm the pastor here at Lionstown. Um, and it's great joy to be looking at these wonderful passages with you in Exodus. Well, what do you hope to get from a sermon? It's an interesting question, isn't it? What do you hope to get from a sermon? What are you hoping to get out of this next 25, 30 minutes? Not be put to sleep. Let's start low. Let's start the bar low. I hope we can manage that one. But, but, but seriously, what, what do you hope to get out? Is it the, the little spiritual pick-me-up? You know, you're going, you've just had a week of all of its troubles and difficulties and problems, and you, you're heading into another one, uh, and you're just wanting that little spiritual fix, little pick-me-up uh, to keep me going through the next week. Is it that you're um, looking for, you know, that, that little nugget that you're going to, um, nugget of truth that you're going to meditate on and carry on through again the, this day and the coming days? Are you looking for help? Some kind of help in, to help me in my marriage or my business or my work or my school life or, or whatever it may be. Well, I guess to a greater or lesser extent, we want all of those things to be true. But what we need most, every single one of us, as we come to God's Word each Sunday morning, and indeed whenever we come to it, is we need to see the Godness of God. We need to see the Godness of God. We need to see who he is. We need to hear from him. We need to understand him. We need to get a picture of him in his greatness, in his glory, in his grace. We need to know the Lord. And that's what we're seeing, isn't it, each week in Exodus. That's what we're going to see this morning again as we look at the plagues. Let me pray for us to that end. Father, please, would you once again reveal yourself to us today. Please stretch our minds. Show us who you really are and how you operate in this world. And Father, please give us soft hearts to receive who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're spending these two weeks looking at the first nine plagues. This is week two, if you weren't here last week. Um, hopefully there'll be enough in here to, to catch you up um, with, with what is happening. Because rather than kind of splitting them half and half, we're covering all of the plagues twice. Last week really focused on God revealing himself, the outstretched hand of God, the Lord's mighty and powerful actions in bringing upon those nine, first nine plagues upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. It was about him revealing his power, showing that he alone is God of the universe. This week, we're mainly focusing on Pharaoh and his heart, his hardened heart, his response to the plagues. But again, don't miss, that, don't miss the point. Although we're looking at Pharaoh, we are very much again going to be seeing the Lord in how he relates to Pharaoh. And so start, starting off, sorry, my phone doesn't seem to be working. Can I have the first slide up there? Um, first off, we see Pharaoh, and we see his stubborn Pharaoh. Through these chapters, again and again, the Lord says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them leave this, this cruel slavery that you have brought, or your forefather brought upon the people. Let them go from that oppression and that bitter slavery. 
And again and again, Pharaoh says no. Pharaoh's attitude from chapter 5 and verse 2 hasn't changed. In chapter 5 too, the first time he was told to let the people go, he says, well, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? He's, he's ignorance of who the Lord is. It's not just ignorance, it's disobedience. Who is the Lord that I should let his people go? I don't know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. And the Lord is going about answering that question, revealing to Pharaoh why he should let the people go. But Pharaoh is stubborn. If you read through the, the plagues this week, I, I encourage you last time, and I very much encourage you to do this if you haven't done it yet this week, read through each of the plagues. And if you do that, you'll notice, if you have the, the next slide up, that Pharaoh's heart is mentioned at the end of each of the, the, the initial sign and the first nine plagues. Again, it's on the back of your handout if you've got your microphone, uh, not microphone, uh, what's that thing called? Magnifying glass, that's the one, uh, on the back. Um, you can see it, see it there. Uh, at the end of each of these plagues, and also at the beginning of two others, Pharaoh's heart is mentioned. And the idea that we find at each stage, every single one, is that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. His heart, in the Bible, our hearts are like our control centers, our wills. And Pharaoh's heart, his will, was hard. His heart was hard. Now, nowadays, when we think of someone as having a hard heart, we're probably thinking actually of something slightly different for what is meant here in Exodus. You see, when we say someone has, hard, has a hard heart, we probably have in mind someone who doesn't go, oh, if you don't go, oh, that, you've got a hard heart. It, it, it's probably a bit more than that, but it's, you know, it, when we say someone's got a hard heart, it's, it's, they, they lack compassion, that they can look upon suffering and, and not be moved. That's generally, I think, what we mean by hard hearts. And that is definitely true of Pharaoh, but it's not quite actually what is meant here. So actually, for Pharaoh's heart being hardened, there are actually three different words are used. The one that comes most often is actually carries a sense of being resolute or determined. Okay, it, can be, it is used both in a positive and a negative sense. So when it's used positively in the Bible, it carries a sense of courage. You know, sticking to the plan, sticking to what they're going to do, even though there are difficulties, even though there's pressure not to. When it's used negatively, like here, it carries that sense of being headstrong, you know, stubbornly committed to the wrong course of action. Nine times, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. It is made resolute. It is made stubborn. The, the, the next uh, the, the word that comes the next amount of times, six, um, the, the word is, is literally heavy. Uh, we actually saw that before when Moses said, remember he is slow of, of, uh, of tongue and of speech. He is heavy of, of tongue and of speech. You know, it, it doesn't work as it should. And with the heart, it, it seems to carry that sense of being impenetrable. It, nothing gets in. Six times Pharaoh's heart is hardened. It's like that heavy rock that the, the, the God's word and his truth can't get in, doesn't get in. Not can't, doesn't get in. 
Then there's one that came, comes just once in these chapters. We also see it elsewhere, which again carries that sense, you know, he won't pay attention. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. It is increasingly committed to ignoring God, to not letting the people go. It is increasingly hard, impervious to God's megaphone that is blaring out from the plagues. But you'll also have noticed if you read through, and you can see from the sheet there, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is described in three ways. Six six times Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Words to that effect. Three times Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And four times the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. Okay, so there's a balance across the thing. His heart was hardened. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. All true. How do those things fit together? The first thing to be clear on is that Pharaoh is completely responsible for his own heart, his own actions. He hardens his heart three times. At the end of the second and the fourth plague, at the beginning of the seventh, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So how do we see that in action? Well, let's think, what did Pharaoh see? We're going to kind of try and cover the ten plagues in about three minutes, all right? So whistle, stop, tall. What did Pharaoh see? Well, he starts off in the, uh, uh, the first bit of chapter seven with not the plague, but there's this initial sign. Okay, so uh, chapter 7, halfway through verse 10. Chapter 7, halfway through verse 10. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Okay, here's this initial sign to to prove to Pharaoh that God is speaking through uh, Moses and Aaron, throws the staff down, turns into a serpent. But when his Pharaoh's own magicians give him an excuse to evade that sign by replicating it, he immediately takes that excuse. He takes that opportunity. He has no desire to change his mind. So verse 13, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the same was true when the Lord turned the water of the Nile into blood, and there were the abundance of frogs across the land. When the magicians did the same, chapter 7, verse 22, and chapter 8, verse 15, we find the same kind of thing. Pharaoh saw there was respite, he hardened his heart, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So then later, Pharaoh saw Aaron strike the dust of the earth, and then there was that plague of gnats that swarmed across the the country. This time, the magicians couldn't replicate it. And and here, their testimony, so his own people, his own magician's testimony to Pharaoh. Chapter 8, verse 19. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Okay, They can't replicate it any longer. They tell Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But... Despite seeing the sign, despite hearing his magicians, the verse goes on, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. With the fourth plague, God predicted that there were going to be swarms of flies 
through Egypt. And sure enough, just like he says. And for the first time, we think there might be a glimmer of hope in Pharaoh. So chapter 8, verse 25. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your gods within the land. No, no, they had to go out into the wilderness to do this. And they have a bit of back and forth. And verse 28, so Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Okay, great. Only you must not go very far and plead with me. Okay, this is good. Breakthrough. And he asks Moses, look, pray for me. Pray that you bring an end to this. Moses says, yes, okay, I'll go. I'll pray for you. And I'll pray that, and then tomorrow they will be removed. Verse 30. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained. Pharaoh saw Moses praying, as he were, he saw that Moses was going to pray to the Lord. He saw that Moses said it's going to happen tomorrow, and it did happen tomorrow. And they were all gone. But, verse 32, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. The fifth plague, this was an actual plague. This was an illness that killed livestock of the fields. But like the previous plague, there was going to be this distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Again, a time was set by the Lord. Pharaoh knew this was coming. And it happened exactly like had been promised. And then have a look down at, at chapter 9, verse 7. You see, he was told there was going to be this distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians, and, and verse 7, and Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. So he was told there was going to be this distinction. He even had it checked out, and there was. But, the verse goes on, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. And Pharaoh saw more, he saw the boils on the people and the beasts. He he saw hail like there had never been before. When the plague of locusts was predicted, Pharaoh's own people tried to persuade him. Have a look at chapter 10, verse 7. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? His own people are telling him. And he tries some negotiation. Um, that's not going to happen. The plague comes. Then you've got the plague of darkness for three days. And again, he tries to negotiate. Um, but they ref- uh, and then when he's refused, um, chapter 10, verse 28. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you say- see my face, you shall die. Moses says, as you say, I will not see your face again. Think of all that Pharaoh saw. All that Pharaoh saw. He could not have had a clearer answer to his question in chapter 5, verse 2, who is the Lord? God could not have have shown him more clearly that the Lord is the powerful gods and that the so-called gods of Egypt were nothing. You know, think of of the world's strongest man. I don't know if you've ever watched those programs, The World's Strongest Man. Think of the world's strongest man having a fight against the most, the weakest and feeble human you can think of. Like a little child or some very old. And, and these plagues are showing Pharaoh that 
it's even less of a competition than that. They are nothing, these so-called gods of Egypt. The Lord is the one true sovereign God of all. And yet he remains stubborn. His heart is hardened. He is responsible. And at the same time, we see the sovereign Lord. Stubborn Pharaoh and sovereign Lord. See, all that we see here, all that we see happen to Pharaoh, highlights the sovereignty of the Lord. Six times, remember I said it, it's not explicit who or what was doing the hardening. It just says his heart was hardened. But actually, if we look closely, it is explicit that all this is happening under the sovereignty of God. Let's just look at, um, let's say, two, two examples. Um, let's go to the, the nearest ones. Let's go to chapter 8, verse 19. This, this, happens, this, this phraseology comes uh, four times. Chapter 8, verse 19, after the plague of gnats. Uh, then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. As the Lord had said. Come on to chapter 9, verse 35. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. You see, God had said that this was all going to happen. This was all part of God's big sovereign plan. Pharaoh's resistance, his determination not to let the people go was part of God's big sovereign plan. But as I've said, the passage goes further, doesn't it? Four times it is explicitly said that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's hearts. And indeed, there are two other times before this when the Lord said he was going to do it. The fact that Pharaoh refused to let the people go before he did is because of his stubbornness, but also because the Lord hardened his heart. What does that mean? Again, how how does that work? Well, again, we've already logged away. We're really clear. The hardening of Pharaoh's heart is not about making him go against his own will. You know, it wasn't that Pharaoh's Pharaoh's thinking, ah, yes, right, I'm going to let the people go. And then, oh no, God hardened his heart. No, at no stage does Pharaoh want to let the people go. The hardening of Pharaoh's heart isn't making him go against his own desires. In fact, it's the opposite. It's giving him the courage to stick to his desires, to keep the people enslaved. It's making him less and less receptive to what he's seeing. Empowering him, as it were. Strengthening him. Strengthening his resolve to not let, his own resolve to let the people go. Now it is true that twice, after the plague of hail and the plague of locusts, he admits that he sinned. But actually in both times we see, like, Numerous times throughout, as soon as there was respite, as soon as the plague stopped, his heart was hardened. You see, Pharaoh never longed to submit himself to the Lord's. He only wanted the hardship removed. So we can't minimize Pharaoh's responsibility, but at the same time, we cannot minimize God's sovereignty. 
Perhaps the most striking occurrence of this is at the end of the the plague um, of locusts. Locusts consume everything that hasn't previously been destroyed by the hail. And come and have a look at chapter 10, verse 16. So here's one of the the, the incidents uh, where then verse 16, uh, then Pharaoh uh, hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. He admits his sin and he, he asks Moses to pray for him. Moses does so. In verse 19, every single locust is removed. And then have a look at verse 20. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did not let the people go. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord added to Pharaoh's resolve. The Lord made these plagues go on longer and there be the full ten. Pharaoh's stubbornness, sovereign lords. And here there is surely a warning for all of us to beware Against and be on our guard against hardening our hearts. You know, if it was possible for Pharaoh to see all that he saw of God's power and yet remain steadfastly committed to thinking nothing of him, think of all he saw, well then it is surely possible for, for, for us to come to church week after week, hear so much about God, this God, to hear so much about Jesus and his wonderful rescue plan, the fulfillment of the Exodus, of his death and his resurrection, of how he sets free from slavery of sin, brings us into relationship with God. It is possible for us to hear all these wonderful things and yet remain unmoved. Maybe you think, you know, I'll take all this kind of stuff a bit more seriously, you know, when I've settled down. Maybe you think, oh, you know, I'll take this a bit more seriously when this stage of life is through, when that project is done or the relationship is sorted, then I'll, then I'll take this stuff seriously. But heed the warning of Pharaoh. If you harden your heart again and again, there may come a time when it is too late and the Lord hardens your heart. Be careful that you are soft to the Lord's words. His people are called to walk in the light of it, not just be be hearers, but doers of his words. Remember Pharaoh's attitude back in chapter 5? Who is he that I should listen to him? He remains completely hardened to God's words. Brothers and sisters, every time we, we come to God's word, whether it be on a Sunday together or be on a Monday morning by yourself, Lord, please make my heart soft. You know, you if you get into that pattern of not listening, you might be reading or hearing, but not listening. If you get into that pattern, it gets easier to do the next time and the next time, and before long you're not listening at all. And the time may come when the Lord will strengthen your desire to ignore him completely. Be careful that you don't view God as your personal divine problem solver. You know, when things go wrong, well, yes, I'm going to cry out then, you're very earnest and sincere in your prayers. You might, that might lead to a bit of commitment in, in serving him for a while. It might mean you're giving generously to the building project or, or whatever it may be. But just like Pharaoh, when the hardship is removed, well, then your heart pings back into its natural shape. The heart is hard to his greatness once again. 
But we heed the warning of Pharaoh. The Lord is sovereign. He is sovereign even over the hearts of mankind. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses Pharaoh as an example of this. In Romans chapter 9, he's been explaining God's free and sovereign choice in those who are saved and those who are not. And he raises the question, he says, well, look, is that fair? Is there injustice on God's part? He says, no, this is all down to God's mercy. God would be completely just to condemn every single human being to an eternity of hell for their rejection of him. There is nothing that anyone could do. And having explained this, this is his conclusion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Everyone, God's justice would be, in his justice, would be absolutely right and fair to condemn everyone. But in his sovereign goodness, in his choosing, according to his will and his mercy, he saves. He graciously saves those who don't deserve it. We all need God's merciful intervention. And then, having um, uh, talked here, he then, uh, in the next verse, quotes Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. So he says, For Scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I've raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. The Lord is sovereign even over the hearts of man. He is sovereign over those who he saves, and those who he doesn't. Pharaoh being an example. We find these two things together. The, the res- human responsibility, Pharaoh is, is totally responsible for hardening his heart and divine sovereignty, the sovereign Lord. But coming back to Exodus again, why again does he harden Pharaoh's heart? And we could say, why indeed is he sovereign over those whom he saves? Well, finally, so the Lord will be known. We we looked at this last week. This is the the big point, really, of the plagues. Um, If you have the next slide up, we saw that on the table here. Again, these purpose statements. Why did these things happen? So that you may know. So that you may know. Again, let's just look at one example. Come to chapter 9 and verse 14. The plague of hail that was read to us. Uh, Yes, Exodus chapter 9, verse 14. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants, and on your people, so that you may know there is none like me in all the earth. Again, the the plagues are carrying a message. Yes, the plagues were there to punish Pharaoh for his wicked cruelty. Yes, they were there to set Israel free, but they were also, and in fact mainly, there as God's megaphone. The proclamation of the name of the Lord. That is the ultimate purpose of the plagues. We're told repeatedly that these things would happen so that people would know that God is the Lord who has no rival. Verse 15, going on, um, Moses explains how God could have just um, swatted Pharaoh like a fly. 
For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But no, verse 16, but for this purpose I have raised you up to show my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You see, God raised up Pharaoh, hardened his heart, so that not only Pharaoh himself, but every nation, every nation would know the Lord's. And it's not just every nation, it's every generation. Um, Have a look down to chapter 10. This is why we just read on into this next plague. But then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these signs, sorry, these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that they may know that I am the Lord's. Every nation, every generation. These plagues are here so that the Israelites would tell their children and their grandchildren who the Lord is and what he did. So again, why did the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, he prolonged events to produce more impressive and memorable picture of his own power. You know, Pharaoh had just given in at the first one, then there had been much smaller opportunity to see his might and his, in his majesty. But sovereignly working through Pharaoh hardening his own hearts, and by hardening it himself, the Lord reveals himself in these plagues. So that Pharaoh, so the Egyptians, so the Israelites, so that all nations, so that all generations, so that you and me would know that he is the Lord's. That his fame would be proclaimed everywhere. So have this repeated frame that you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It might be hard to hear. They might have raised for you a number of questions this morning, and that's great. I'd love to talk about them with you. But here is why it is in the Bible, because God is sovereign even over the hearts of mankind. He is bigger and more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The world doesn't revolve around you and me. It's about God. It's about his mercy. It's about his fame, his name, his glory being proclaimed right across the world for all times. This is a big God. This is a God to be feared. And again, the question as we finish, is your view of God big enough? Is your view of the Lord big enough? The Lord went to great lengths to show us who he is and what he's like. He's not that pint-sized deity that, that Pharaoh thought him to be. He's not a, good that, a God that can be put in your pocket and brought out when things get tough and then neatly put away again. He's not a God to be messed with. Not a God to be messed with. I think that's the big one impression that we get through these plagues. Is your view of God big enough? Let him shape your view of him rather than your own ideas. Let's pray. Father God, we want to praise you, our great Lord, our Lord of power, our Lord of sovereignty, 
our Lord of might, our Lord of mercy. We praise you, the sovereign, even over the hearts of mankind. And that anyone is saved is proof of that. Father, please, with our view of you, be more and more accurate in our minds and in our hearts. You would indeed shape our understanding of you. And please soften our hearts to see that and for that to be done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.